everybody, and welcome back to Thank Mecha Godzilla. It's Friday. It's Friday. And that means it's Mecha Godzilla. Hey, everybody. My name is William Bibiani. <laughs> I am a film critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Mecha Whitney Seibold. I am a Mecha film critic. Uh, and I don't have a nickname except for Titanosaurus. <laughs> you just gave your, you just said you're a Mecha Whitney Seibold. Yeah. Um, I don't think that well, that's. That's not a nickname. That's just a description. That's just who I am. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, actually, there's there's a you might be able to hear it, but there's a, a cricket just outside of my apartment. We're, we're recording remotely, we, if, in case you couldn't tell. We can and, hear uh, it, Whitney. Yeah. Uh, just, so if, if you can hear uh, if you can hear the cricket, the cricket is now called Titanosaurus because it is bloody huge and it just won't go away. Very loud. My God. Uh, but you know what? Crickets need podcasts, too. They need their voices to be heard, I suppose. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this is uh, our Godzilla podcast here at Critically Acclaimed Network. Uh, we are reviewing every single Godzilla and Godzilla-adjacent movie every single Friday, uh, pretty much in order. And this week, we have hit a really major milestone because this movie, Terror of Mechagodzilla, Mm-hmm. is the end of the first era of Godzilla movies, the Showa era. That's right. Um, there will not be another new Godzilla picture, just sort of in, in the Godzilla canon, until 1984. So yeah, almost a decade. Uh, we're going to go without. And what a fallow time it must have been. Can you imagine? Can you, can you, can you, can you oh, yes, imagine? Can. Okay. I, I can imagine. Um, well, c- consider this. Um, right now, it, we're recording this in 2023. Yeah. And we're kind of looking at the waning edge of, like, superhero movies. They were big for over a decade, like 12, 15 years. Nothing but superheroes. That's all we talked about. And now it's like they're kind of contracting. The movies aren't as big hits as they once mm-hmm. were. They don't feel like a sure thing. People don't generally speaking and this is just a vibe i get people aren't as excited as they once were and i can picture a world though where okay it just sort of peters out goes away and then like nine years later they just sort of start the series again with the same characters like that sure. that seems conceivable to me well that's just what happens i mean that happens yeah. with james bond i mean james bond went fallow for about six years between like 89 and 95 that's right uh so e- even popular franchises, franchises with like multi-generational legs, sometimes, you know, you need to, you, you, you need to like, just take a little bit of a breather and yeah. let people remember why you were cool in the first place. I, I, I look at it as like, um, like when Coca-Cola introduced new Coke in the eighties. And oh, if yeah. we notice that at, we're nostalgic for everything, but new Coke. Like no one has ever been like, "Hey, we should bring new Coke back," and everyone like throws stuff at that guy. Like, no. But there like, was a, there was an yeah. attempt to keep it around. If if you oh, remember, uh, there was Coke Two. Do you remember Coke Two? <laughs> no, I don't remember Coke Two. Yeah, because because they, they it sounds like something your dealer is trying to pawn off on you. Like I put some talc <laughs> in it, and now I'm calling it Coke Two, and I can sell you sell for twice as much. Oh no, this isn't cocaine. This is twice as good. It's Coke Two. No, they. The story is, you know, very popular. Uh, Coca-Cola was fading in the market. Pepsi overtook them. 
uh, and they did the blind Pepsi challenge, like the people at Coca-Cola and they found that Coca-Cola was actually losing the Pepsi challenge. So they changed the formula to taste more like Pepsi. And they came out with new Coke. This was like 85, I think. And uh, it didn't sell. People Nobody liked it. it. Nobody Nobody liked liked new Coke. Uh, It had, you know, new can, new formula, new Coke. You should get it. And everybody said, nope, we're we're not going to do it. And in fact, people started like hoarding the old Coke. All of these discussions and think pieces started to get written about how America doesn't have culture. We have product instead. Uh, And so Coca-Cola decided, okay, we're going to ditch new Coke and we're going to bring back Coca-Cola classic. And it was so successful. Like they outstripped Pepsi by a substantial margin and they've been number one ever since. So some people have begun to posit that it was all a marketing ploy to begin with. Like they actually wanted new Coke to fail. Whether or yeah. That is contradicted by the fact that they actually tried to keep new Coke on shelves Yeah, because they, they changed the name to Coke two and it was the new Coke formula. And I imagine if you've ever had a can of Coke two, you're like, Oh, had a rare experience indeed. Mm-hmm. But like, regardless of whether it was intentional, it proved a point, which is that if you have a product that people take for granted, whether that's an actual product, like, a device or a food or if it's you know the art that we commodify into a product in the studio system like a franchise um it's easy for people to take that for granted when it becomes familiar you know oh well there's another one well i guess it's fine but i just i'm not excited anymore taking it away and then bringing it back makes it exciting again you know, they've done this with the Halloween franchise multiple times. Like you take Michael Myers away and we all of a sudden are more interested in whatever the next Michael Myers one will be. And then two films later, we're like, eh, we're done. And then like five years later, you're like, oh, Michael Myers was cool, right? We should go all go see that in record numbers. And then two <laughs> films later, you're like, eh, it's kind of played out, isn't it? And then David Gordon Green comes along and like, oh, okay, yeah, we should go in record numbers to see this this is a big deal now we never learn sunrise sunset the end of another day yeah but uh godzilla uh came to a bit of an end in terror of mecha godzilla uh and it it, in a way even though it feels like this wasn't it it doesn't feel like this is like a send-off this isn't like uh i i hate it's a cliche to use it as an example but like you know like avengers endgame like mm-hmm. say what you will about that movie, they were it, it felt like an ending. Like, like they yeah, put like as the, much the story, as they could all the characters and yeah. the story finally stopped after you know twenty some films. Like okay, this is this is right. like the actual climax you've been waiting for. And yeah, it, it was it was good about being a climax. It didn't like just tease future stuff. And 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 honestly, in retrospect, probably a mistake for Marvel because the fact that that felt like so final meant it was kind of easier for us to like not see other marvel movies afterwards but as a movie it worked a little better i think because it wasn't afraid to feel like a conclusion multiple characters had their arcs properly conclude storylines ended every character we'd met so far came back it felt like a big bravura send-off and Uh, although um, a big part of what, what was going on um I looked up the numbers on this. And I thought this was really interesting. Uh, the Just the amount of Marvel Cinematic Universe hours yeah. that have come out since Endgame 
is greater than that of all of the hours that came before Endgame. Like yeah. phases one, two, and three of the whole Marvel cycle uh, was like, I think a total of like 49 hours and fa- phase four alone was like over 50. Yeah. So it's like, I think that was also kind of an issue here. Yeah, That's sure. It's oversaturation. Yeah. yeah, they oversaturated. But uh, but regardless, uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla, it doesn't feel like like they didn't bring Anguirus back. They didn't bring a whole bunch of other monsters. To monsters. We don't even see Monster Island. Uh, no. it, it, it is, uh, uh, it has two things that make it feel like a bit more of like, a, a an ending. One is that it is, uh, which is pretty unusual for Godzilla, a direct sequel to the previous film. The same villains come back. They're still at it. This is the same plot line. Uh, the same monster comes back in a very organic way and not just, Hey, the third act needs a little goosing. Can we call Gigan? Like it actually is all built around a proper narrative follow-up to the previous film. So there's that. But more than that, uh, they asked Jun Fukuda to come back for this film. And Jun Fukuda was like, I think the Godzilla thing's a bit played out. I'm done. <laughs> and, and when when Jun Fukuda yeah. is turning you down. Yeah. It's like, no, I, it's I can't, I can't do it. It's, I, I can't do it. It's too silly. It's like, really? Yeah. You... You directed the Gigan movies, dude. You you made it that way. That's partly <laughs> on you, but like, but regardless, they were able to bring back the original Godzilla director Ishiro Honda. This is the last feature film that he would be credited as as a director. Hmm. And you know, there and, are elements of Godzilla, this, just period yeah, in general. Yeah, he he retired from the director's chair. He still works in the film industry, but he retired from the director's chair after this. Um, and there are parts of it that feel like the old, the old uh, uh, Shiro Honda uh, mm. uh, panache is there. There's certainly an epic quality, especially to the fights that I think uh, is uh, really exciting and very beautifully filmed. Uh, it has that Ishiro Honda thing where it's like mostly not a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Like Godzilla yeah. doesn't show up until 50 minutes into this movie and it's yeah. like only 84 minutes long. But when all is said and done, I, I don't feel like this was like Ishiro Honda's like last statement about Godzilla. I would argue that his like two real statements about Godzilla were the original Gojira and uh, All Monsters Attack. <laughs> Ironically, oh. the the, like the, the really <laughs> the really bad one, All Monsters. Attack. But they have the most to say. Yeah, I guess. And so. this 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 does this is a better directed than it probably might have been otherwise Godzilla sequel with a, an old monster, a new monster, uh, a, a big storyline with a lot more horror vibes than, than I expected. Like they really put the terror in the title. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is a little unceremonious as a send off. It really does feel like they just sort of stopped rather than ended it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fine with that. Sure. I, I kind of like that when, when a, a series can just sort of make another one and then be done with it. Like we don't need to send it off. We don't need mm-hmm. big events. It can just be one of the things. Um, this is a, a unique film in a couple of ways. Yeah. It's Ishiro Honda's last movie. Uh, yeah. Godzilla's not in it a lot. Um, mm. It, yeah, you mentioned it has a lot of horror elements. It's the the only Godzilla film I can think of that has like 
nudity in it. Yeah, that's weird, right? Yeah, um, it's like that's not something I expect to see in a Godzilla like, film. It, it, it's not really prurient, but it is in there. You know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Akira Ifukube uh, came back as well. That's right, boy, for to do the music, yeah. I, I gotta tell you, man, I knew that I missed the original Godzilla theme, but I didn't realize how much until it came back. It, yeah, just just bringing that back. Dum, adds... dum, 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 dum. Yeah, that one. Dun, 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 dun. Like it, it brings so much weight, not just because. It, like it's nostalgic not just because it's iconic just because it's a better score <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just a better piece of music mm. it feels uh it feels heavy it feels large it feels uh momentous in a way that i mean the, god the, the score the, the score for the last what was the last one we did again it was uh, megalon it was, it was godzilla versus mecha godzilla Oh yeah, not Megalon, but the one before that, Megalon. Um, yeah, it was Godzilla vs. Megalon. Yeah, yeah. Had one of the worst scores I've ever heard. It, it just felt like tonally incorrect in every scene, and not in like a fun, creative way, but in a you're just picking tracks at random now, aren't you? Like that's how it feels. Yeah, but this one it feels like there's there's when Godzilla finally like shows up at the end and the and the theme plays, it's like yeah. <laughs> let's do this yes please and, thank and you I, and i appreciate that you know ishido honda he came back to do this probably didn't have to probably didn't want to but mm. it doesn't feel like uh he's sleepwalking through this he's actually making a proper movie he's staging you know we, we've talked a lot about how jun fukuda tried to make things really kind of energetic and peppy and childlike whereas ishido honda was uh a weird thing to say about Godzilla movies, but a lot more mannered and, you know, framed up his shots a little bit more widely and, and, uh, uh, regally, if you will. Um, I feel like that, that part's back, but he's also still trying to evolve as a filmmaker. He's trying mm -hmm. a lot of weird new stuff and quicker editing and a lot of weirder close-ups and visuals. But at the same time, it's this really kooky film about space aliens and, an Android is in a, is in the movie. Um, a cyborg, please get it right. Or, oh, excuse me, she's a cyborg. Um, yeah, because she, she has my, uh, human bits. My my yeah. uh, my wife wa uh, watched a piece of this movie with me, and there was a line of dialogue where, where uh, somebody said, "I know you're a cyborg, but I still love you," and that just made her laugh. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that. I actually wrote that line down because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's one of the most. It's arguably the most emotional moment in the movie, and it's just in any context that's that's pretty funny. Because what bothers me about that line is that it suggests that there's something wrong with being a cyborg and not like one of the most awesome things you can be. Like there's a, there's a Park Chan Wook movie that the, the title of the movie is I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. So clearly yeah. there's some kind of stigma about it. I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it strikes me as like this weird kind of sci-fi like ableism and I, I'm, I'm not here for it. I think being a cyborg is, is fucking awesome. And I think that's even more <laughs> of a selling point. Cyborg um, ableism. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, you know, because there's, you know, a lot of cyberpunk, you know, deals with, you know, very social issues, but we're getting off of the weeds. Um, uh, what was I gonna, what was I gonna say here? Um, you, you got me derailed. You're quite uh, welcome. Thank I'm you. Glad I could do that for you. Yeah. Uh, this movie, uh, uh, 
originally, this movie has uh, Mechagodzilla Returns, uh, and it has a new uh, kaiju named Titanosaurus, who is an underwater dinosaur uh, mm. who is quite large and has a flappy tail that creates big gusts of wind, which uh, yeah, I, mean, I feel like... off Rodan's shtick, or, or, yeah. or Mothra's. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing original under the sun. Maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, the original idea uh, for the new monster uh, was actually it was going to be two monsters called Titans, and they were going to merge into one monster, and that would have been very new. That would have been something that had not been done in the Godzilla movies before, and uh, apparently that's one of the things that, uh, well, budget was a factor. And yeah. so they had to they had to make some big choices. Uh, this movie, Terror of Mechagodzilla, uh, one of the reasons it's the last Godzilla movie is that I think to this day, it is one of, if not the most sparsely attended Godzilla movies. Like it sold the um, fewest tickets overall. Yeah, it was it was made for a, a like I was looking up numbers on this and it was made for a pretty low amount of money, just, even for the time. It was one point two million. A uh, movie came out in 1975. And I think it made like just twenty million worldwide, which you know that's that's a good turnaround. But yeah, given but when you're when you're expecting more, perform, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, you're like you know what, we're we're done. We're not going to wait for this thing to start losing money. We're just going to bow out at this point. Which is honestly like probably like more prudent than I think a lot of other studios would be at this point. Yeah, because yeah, they sure. would just they would just milk and milk and milk. It's not until you're really losing money. That it feels like it's not worth the effort. Uh, and so, yeah, so they're like, okay, p- interest is waning. Apparently, there wasn't like a conscious decision to really end Godzilla. They never said they weren't going to make any more. And there were like ideas for other Godzilla movies after this. And just nothing really solidified until the 40 year anniversary or the 30 year anniversary, right? Yeah, yeah. Not, Would have been the 30 year anniversary. 30th, yeah, 30th anniversary yeah. was when Return of Godzilla came out. Yeah, so nothing really solidified until they had a really good excuse to do it. Um, Terror of Mechagodzilla opens with something that really other Godzilla movies should have done, uh, which is uh, people actively involved in cleaning up after the last Godzilla movie because Godzilla ripped Mechagodzilla to shreds. Mm -hmm. And now there's, and then like threw him into the ocean. And now there's like a submarine that's actually just trying to find mecha Godzilla parts because it's alien tech. It's made out of a space metal. You know, it's, it's valuable. It's, it could be reverse engineered for things. Uh, and while they're in the process of searching for space Titanium and mecha Godzilla's carcass, uh, they are attacked by a beast named Titanosaurus and uh, the submarine explodes. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Titanosaurus uh, is, is not to be trifled with. And yet, they keep saying that Titanosaurus, by its nature, is a gentle creature. Yeah, never mind that he completely trashed your submarine. I mean, I like, guess it could have been an accident, but like, but but no, it, like Titanosaurus went after that thing, and they did. There was no dialogue like, "Oh, we we accidentally invaded his domain," or like something yeah. was happening. Where, like later in the in the movie, Titanosaurus will come under the control of space aliens, right? But he wasn't at that point. They'd also say later in the movie that Titanosaurus has one weakness and that's uh, loud noises. And in fact, uh, it's a submarine's sonar machine that uh, like uh, uh, 
throws Titanosaurus off kilter and reveals this. So I suppose it's possible that the submarine sonar had aggravated Titanosaurus, but this is never explicitly stated. Yeah. Uh, either way, don't don't fuck with Titanosaurus. He's really quite large. And and the plot is actually pretty complicated for for a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Uh, because there's a like a double agent character. There's the the cyborg character we mentioned. That's um. Hmm. Oh, what is her name? Uh, oh yeah. Oh, oh god, hang on. I had it right in front of me. Uh, Katsura uh, is her name. Yeah, she's played Katsura. by. An, yeah. yeah, Katsura is played by a, an actress named Tomoko Ai, and she is in league with her father, a mad scientist, played by uh, Akihiko Hirata, and he has been in league with the space aliens from the last movie. Mm-hmm. who have been salvaging Mechagodzilla from the ocean floor and rebuilding him better with this mad scientist's help. And I appreciate any villain who, after nearly getting away with their scheme, mm-hmm. simply re- you know, takes stock, regroups, and tries again. You never see that. You never, like, oh, Dr. Doom built a doomsday machine that's mm-hmm. going to, like, destroy every country in the world except for Latveria. And then the Avengers stop him. And then it's like, okay, um, you could do it again. Like, you know, it was it was sheer luck that they found out about it in time. You could just do it on the, on the down low and just do it again next week. But it's always just like, no, I need to challenge myself. Can't can't repeat myself as yeah. performance anxiety, but yeah, no, they're going to rebuild Mechagodzilla. They're going to take over the Earth. Uh, their planet is dying, uh, and um, they need yet another Earth scientist to uh, fulfill their plans. And they find uh, Doctor Mafune, who and I love this backstory. Uh, he was a respected scientist. Uh, he had like uh, uh, ideas or schemes to like create technology that could control animals. But it wasn't until he said that there's a giant dinosaur under the ocean mm-hmm. uh, that everyone was like, oh, well, he's a mad scientist and we're not going to believe him and we're going to drum him out of academia. And I'm like, oh, okay. So when was this? Like the 1940s? Like before everyone found out that kaijus were real? And it turns out it was like 15 years ago. And I'm like, okay, then no. Everyone should have been like, yeah, there's probably a Titanosaurus down there. Like, why would you even doubt it? After <laughs> after, after one kaiju, I understand your skepticism. After hmm. 12? <laughs> there's, I, uh... The idea that there's another one shouldn't get you drummed out of college. I, I do really love the things that we are supposed to take for granted and not supposed to take for granted in Godzilla movies. Yeah, of, of course there's a kaiju over on Monster Island. Is there one beneath the sea? Oh, goodness, no. How silly for, of you to think so. Um, <laughs> just we, we have to we have to let the film inform us which is plausible and which isn't because there's no way to tell otherwise. But yeah, uh, he has developed this way to control uh, a Titanosaurus using like radar into its brain. And there's a flashback to when he was initially testing this, that his daughter was like on the control panel and there was some sort of short out and it electrocuted her to death. Yeah. And he was already working with aliens at the time, though. And this is before the events of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. So who knows what their plan was at this point? I don't think that's possible based on the timeline we see in the movie. But yeah, she dies. We see this in the flashback. She dies. She's electrocuted. She goes, ah, and she just falls over. And then all of a sudden the door opens and a bunch of aliens walk in, grab the body and walk out. Mm-hmm. Like like they were just waiting in case she died. 
And yeah. yet, at the beginning of the movie, they discuss their initial plan to be, to become in league with this mad scientist today. And it's clearly not something that happened in the middle because we see in the flashback, you know, this young woman is dressed like more like a teenager. She's got like pigtails. They're clearly trying to suggest that this was years ago. Mm. So I'm not sure that track. Yeah, I, I I don't think um, either there was something about the aliens that they were here on Earth prior to the events of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla that they never explained, or maybe the timeline just doesn't make sense. And I'm willing to bet it's the latter. I think Ishido Honda did, didn't think of it. Uh, but they they cut her off to the other cut her off to the other room and they perform surgery on her and replace a, like a great portion of her body with machinery. It's never yeah. really explained how much of her is is bionic, but she's mostly we, bionic now. We see inside of her chest cavity at one point, and it's like full of like circuit boards. But then there's also like there's like a, a heart heart right next to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not a very convincing beating heart, but it's clearly a beating heart. So like, there's clearly like she's not just like a robot in human skin. She's definitely mm. got organs that are being. Uh, kept place. And it's worth noting that that is a, a twist that she's a cyborg and before that and it's kind of clear but like before that they start saying like weird things to her like her father is being like bizarrely abusive like hold on what was it um i wrote down uh, yeah. their hatred will become one unleashing an orgy of violence no that's not it <laughs> uh, well the the fact that she is a cyborg is uh, crucial to the plot because they're able to sort of tie her body into Mechagodzilla. Yeah. They're be able to operate Mechagodzilla with her as the control device. Yeah. Like she's going, she's the one who's going to be able to sort of psychically control Mechagodzilla at the behest of her father who's in league with these aliens. But she's also controlling Titanosaurus, which strikes me as like, there are better ways to do this. Uh, but there's like a line early on, like before they confirm that she's a cyborg, where she's she, she's met a marine biologist. And as we all know, all marine biologists are heroes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, movies have taught us that not, I don't think I can't think of a lot of evil marine biologists in movies. They're usually good guys. Um, if, if if anything, they are infected with maybe some hubris, like mm-hmm. in Deep Blue Sea. We're ambitious. Yes. We're going to grow a giant shark, but we're doing it for noble purposes. We're, we need giant sharks because we need giant shark brains to cure Alzheimer's. Okay, right. that's a noble goal. I'm also not entirely sure Saffron Burroughs was a marine biologist. I think she might have been a brain biologist who tampered in the wrong domain. Um, but well, regardless... What's Saffron Burrow's job was in the movie? Thank the you. 1999 film please, this is important. Please, please be specific. But um, so she's like meeting this young man, and the young man is like, "Listen, I found out about your father's research. It turns out Titanosaurus was real. Uh, we, I, we, he deserves to have his reputation uh, spared. Uh, I would like to speak to him." And she, she lies and says that he's dead. Uh, and he's like, "Oh, well, is any of his research still around?" And she says, "No, I burned it." And he assumes that she's, like, ashamed of her father and really, like, projects some weird stuff onto her. Uh, But uh, his attempt to, like, 
restore her father's legacy and we'll see good in her father makes her a little torn and actually start kind of feeling things for him. Uh, and when her father finds out about that, there's this weird bit where, and again, we don't know she's a cyborg yet. And he says, never forget what you are under the flesh. No one will ever love you. Hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, dude, like in a, in any context, that's fucked. <laughs> like there's no good context for that sentence. Uh, so Dr. Susan McAllister is played by Saffron Burroughs in the film yep. Deep Blue Sea by, directed by Rennie Arlen uh, is only described in these plot synopses as a doctor. Yeah, that sounds about right. And they're conducting research on sharks. So it doesn't say what kind of doctor she is. I'm, I'm sure there are marine biologists in the movie. I'm just not 100% convinced Saffron Burroughs is the marine biologist and not just some kind of like, you know, regular old biologist <laughs> this is very important by the way yeah that, that we looked that up i'm glad we well it's, wait that. hold on it's it's in the ocean so she'd be a navy biologist oh there you go she's she's a naval biologist there you go not a marine biologist uh, a, that, a I, navy no i got biologist. your joke i just didn't okay know okay thank you um yes uh honestly a lot of the movies is, is kind of like focused at this point they're like tracking down uh, the mad well, scientist. There's, there's the, the yeah. brave marine biologists, and th there are these two hero guys. They're like old college buddies, and they're they travel real fast. Like they're on a mountain, oh, yeah. then they're back in the lab, then they're back on the mountain. Like it, it's kind of difficult to follow who is going on, what is going on, where. Yeah, and the thing is, that it really does feel kind of besides the point because we spend a lot more time with the villains than usual actually here we're really up in the mad scientist and his daughter's business uh the uh the aliens we find out they, they're actually like a little bit more sympathetic than they were in the last film because uh they again we clarify that they wanted to conquer earth because their planet was dying ashira han has been toying with that since the mysterians uh but still it's a perfectly valid reason to to uh -huh for a, 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 someone to try to conquer the planet earth. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying I approve. I'm just saying I understand the methodology. Um, but uh, yeah, but then it's just, everyone's just like running around and just having seemingly random conversations and just trying out a submarine again. And, Oh, should we put more sonar in the submarine or more weapons in the submarine? And they're like, I don't know, maybe we could avoid Titanosaurus better if we had better sonar. But I like missiles. No, 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 no. This will pay off later. And it turns out the sonar helps with Titanosaurus. Meanwhile, uh, the young lady is uh, being kind of ineffectually wooed uh, by the scientist who honestly doesn't figure out what's going on until like the last scene in the movie <laughs> he's yeah, always yeah. talking cross purposes it's like oh she's like oh yeah you shouldn't go down in that submarine and find the titanosaurus because it will kill you because it's being controlled by aliens and that's like the subtext and he's just like oh no it's okay we'll protect your father's legacy they're there and she's like no stop it <laughs> Stop projecting your weird shit on me. But apparently she thinks it's cute. Uh, when they talk about the mad scientist's like house, they like the locals speak of it. It's like, ah, oh, it's the last house on the left. Yeah, Never, like the, nobody oh, goes oh, there. Oh, he lives at the haunted house. Yeah. And it's got like a haunted, like a secret mirror room and everything. And it really does feel like a Shirohana wanted to get some like some like scary movie vibes 
out of this bad boy. Um, you might notice that we haven't mentioned Godzilla. Uh, well, I, I said Godzilla doesn't show up until near the end of the movie. And uh, when he shows up the first time, uh-huh. he's just a dot on a map. He, we don't see him hanging out with Anguirus. We don't see him on Monster Island. Yeah. He's just a dot on a map. Uh, and it's like, and this is after Titanosaurus has been unleashed by the mad scientist against the wishes of the aliens. They're like, we, we got to save this Titanosaurus thing but until we have our you know, Mechagodzilla thing all set up because we need to, to take over Earth. That's what we're doing. And uh, the mad scientist is like, no, F that noise. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And he unleashes Mecha Gu- or he unleashes Titanosaurus. Titanosaurus starts, you know, trashing a nearby city. I don't think it's Tokyo. Um, no, I don't think so either. It's just some city, and uh, you know, Titanosaurus uh, is doesn't have like heat breath or laser eyes. It's just this big destructive dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And it's only after that starts happening that Godzilla shows up as a dot on a map. It's like, okay, Godzilla's on the way. It's like, uh, and I can only imagine Godzilla. Like, he has some sort of monster sense, like yeah. monster trashing city. And I can see him, like, rolling over, grabbing the beer with a cigarette butt in it <laughs> off of his nightstand. Yeah. yeah t- taking a swig. It's like, all right, let's take care of this shit. Do you and, remember? Yeah, just, just shows up. Yeah. And the, oh, the, the first time we see Godzilla, like, we see his breath first. Like, it fires in from off camera. Yeah knocks over titanosaurus and we cut back and we just see like his silhouette like the head uh, his of his head yeah. sticking up from behind a building you know here here's the thing with that um first off i just your your, your image do you remember uh, the movie cobra the sylvester stallone movie cobra oh i've, I've seen it i remember very little about okay. it okay uh he plays like a badass cop named marion cabretti and uh He's got, like, for me, one of the most iconic single-guy apartments in all movies because, you know, he dresses all in leather, he drives a cool car, but when we go back to his apartment, it's just, like, you know, those, like, little pizza containers, uh, like, pizza boxes and, like, Chinese takeout containers everywhere, and it's a it's a mess. And if memory serves, he, like, pulls out a slice of pizza that's been sitting out, like, for a day. So that's probably like covered in 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 penicillin, and he like, <laughs> and he like cuts it with scissors if memory serves. Like he's just like, oh, that's probably not the good bit. Snip, and then he eats the rest of it, and it's just so gross. And I'm just imagining Monster Island like covered in giant pizza boxes. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I imagine yeah. there's like a a Rodan like creature like who has to wear a blue ball cap and just <laughs> to deliver the pizzas to Monster Island. It's a good gig if you can get it. The tips are huge. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, but uh, yeah, usually Godzilla gets wind of like something bad going on, and we keep cutting back to Godzilla making his way towards the movie and it's it's kind of a promise to the audience more than anything else he's coming yeah yeah. he'll get there trust us we're we're, we're not going to let you down here here the opening announcing that he's coming is an afterthought you blink and you miss it uh and then when titanosaurus and mechagodzilla go on a rampage at the end of the movie um all of a sudden we see two random teenage kids we've never seen them before we Mm. to the best of my knowledge we'll never see them again 
No, they're just they're just kids running around. Yeah, random yeah. kids. They're not like from a previous movie, all grown up, and uh, they're looking at the devastation. And one kid's like, "I'm going to go check it out," and his more sensible friend says, uh, "No, we shouldn't because that's bad. That's a bad decision. You know, we <laughs> that could that could go poorly for us." And the guy's like, "No, we should check it out because we're we're kids and we do that, right?" And he's like, oh, "All right, peer pressure. I'll go." And then they are immediately attacked by Titanosaurus. And then they just yell out, Godzilla, save us! And then Godzilla just is there. Yeah, yeah, he just Like, he was up. willed into being by the plot. And then he just like, boom, gotcha, kids. I was just waiting for someone to... I, he won't go on until he's announced. Like, that's <laughs> that's what it's like. It's like, someone's got to announce me. Well, come on, man. Everyone knows it's you. Just like, just someone say my credits. All right, fine. It's the guy who beat up... Uh, uh, King Ghidorah like eight times and a spider once. It's Godzilla. Godzilla's like, oh god. Eight defeats. Yeah, eight wins, zero defeats. Godzilla. Hey everyone, here I am. That is not true. That is not zero defeats. Godzilla's like Rocky, has like a really, really bad early, like early stats before he (laughs) leveled up. That's That's fair. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, and then he comes along, and I gotta tell you, man. The last fight is actually really cool. Like, Shiro Honda shoots it from well, a lot of low angles, and we get, like, the, Godzilla, the like, fighting, like, with strategy and stuff. Like, it seems like he's really pushing it to be I, as I exciting as possible. This movie has, more than any of the previous Godzilla movies, really, hmm. has, like, actual boxing in it where the monsters are yeah. punching and kicking each other yeah maybe ishiro honda got a little bored of like the blasting stuff like the yeah. laser beams he just wanted to see the, the them wrestle and so yeah they fall over a lot they get thrown mm-hmm. through the air a lot they land on the ground and the ground crumbles underneath them and they get up and start kicking each other yeah. it's pretty cool it is and and again there's a lot of really excellent cinematography and sound design that really sells the punches and the movement and that's fighting titanosaurus who's again basically aside from that wind thing which doesn't really use against godzilla very much uh that's just godzilla beaten up on a larger godzilla titanosaurus is just taller um it's like rocky versus drago uh but then there's mecha godzilla and mecha godzilla has this full arsenal at his disposal and anytime godzilla turns his attention to mecha godzilla uh mecha godzilla you know he he he's got more firepower yeah. And there are multiple times of Godzilla just trying to like, just trying to rush Mecha Godzilla, and like run past all of his missiles and rainbow beams and shit. And usually it goes really, really bad. Except for the last time where he just like pushes through like a badass. Did you ever see um, the Leonardo DiCaprio version of the Man in the Iron Mask? Uh, not since theaters and what, what was that 98 but yeah i have seen yeah it, it was it was uh it, it came out like a couple of months after titanic and i remember being thinking it was hilarious that even leonardo dicaprio couldn't open a movie against titanic this is like <laughs> late february and nobody gave a shit but like oh there's a new leonardo dicaprio movie we've got titanic we don't need another one <laughs> That was the general vibe. Titanic, by the way, opened in December and was number one at the box office every weekend through April. Beginning like was... of April. Do you remember yeah. the movie that do you remember the movie that toppled it? I do. It was Lost in Space. Lost in Space. Which is that... not a good movie. No, I I barely have been able to get through that movie. That movie is terrible. Um 
but uh where, where was it going but like no there's a scene in the man of the iron mask where because it's a it takes place like later on in the story of the three musketeers after they're all older men and uh d'artagnan has really sold out and he's like working for like these like corrupt royals and this like really asshole king played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And then it turns out he has like an identical twin yeah. and the, that, the that he's imprisoned. Yeah. And the other three musketeers realizing that the king is hopelessly corrupt conspire to replace him with his more mild mannered, uh, uh, martyred uh, brother. There's a bit at the end. And by the way, the cast is great. It's got Gabriel Byrne, uh, Jeremy Irons. George uh, uh, Pardue. And yeah. Who's John the, Malkovich. And John Malkovich. That's the other one. Yeah. That's that's a big all-star cast for like an older uh, mm. Three Musketeers movie. Uh, and all of the Three Musketeers uh, are like in a corridor and they're facing off against a younger team of Musketeers. And that team of Musketeers actually has the muskets, which the Musketeers usually don't bother remember remember how they're called musketeers it's supposed to be that muskets and they only ever use swords you ever really thought about that mm. but uh oh, no I've, I've i've thought about that okay whitney's thought whitney's the one i'm the one uh uh but they're facing down a firing squad basically this at a narrow hallway and it's just there's nothing they can do they decide they're gonna do say all for one and one for all and they're just gonna run into it like the ending of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. But whereas at the ending of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they just sort of freeze framed and implied that they didn't make it out. Mm -hmm. They run to the end of the hallway and they just made it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a subtle implication that like the Musketeers were like, the younger Musketeers were like so impressed and in awe of how valorous the, uh, uh, the old Musketeers were mm -hmm. that they missed on purpose. But also, no. <laughs> also, no. I don't buy that at all. And it just struck me as ridiculous. So, like, there's a bit at the end of this movie where Godzilla is rushing Mecha Godzilla, and it's all in like slow mo, and it's like really intense. And will Godzilla make it? And we see like there's a shot of Godzilla on fire. Like they set the guy in the suit on fire in this movie. Oh yeah, um, it's awesome, by the way. Um, but like, it does get this kind of like rousing one last stand kind of Godzilla thing where like all the other monsters, I guess are dead or they'd be here now. And so it's just up to Godzilla to fight two monsters by himself. Mm -hmm. Bare knuckle brawl when he's completely outgunned and uh, God damn it. If it doesn't work, it, it works fine. I, I, I love that Godzilla is sort of like, like he's not the underdog. He's just like, he's like, you already made the comparison. He's Rocky, but specifically in Rocky four, yeah, uh, where yeah, he's he he's the one who has like the old world training, whereas like the high tech noob on the on the scene is, mm. you know, better prepared in kind of this, well, high tech kind of a way, but uh, ha is no chance against sort of the old world stuff. And uh, Godzilla does what he did in the last movie. He pulls off Mechagodzilla's head, but it yeah. doesn't work this time. No, it has another head underneath. A better head. <laughs> that, has other, that has a different laser beam in it. And mm. even Godzilla's like, the hell? And, I love uh, that, that he pulls it off. He sees that it has another head underneath. And he just hucks the, the first hat <laughs> over his shoulders like oh shit i was gonna put this on my mantle next to my pizza boxes but nah <laughs> fuck it it's not worth it anymore it was all it was i kind of wanted him to put it on <laughs> like, 
kind of ghoulish, don't you think? Because if you think about it, that's like mm-hmm. Godzilla's skull, man. I mean, he's he's a monster. He's fighting a robot from space. He doesn't oh, care. Yeah. Put a put a robot head on. I'm just saying it's a little ghoulish, but that's fine. Um, here's the thing, though, is that the ultimately the thing that enables Godzilla to defeat both Titanosaurus and Mechagodzilla is the humans, because they're like trying to like they they like they've kidnapped the marine biologist, and he's trying to like appeal to the cyborg lady's like you know softer side doesn't really work that great uh and uh yeah it's ultimately like you know the the heroes of interpol like rush the castle and they're like they shoot everybody and so she she loses control of mecha godzilla and then also loses control of titanosaurus and when she loses control of mecha godzilla godzilla tears it to shreds yeah she loses control of Titanosaurus, and I all of a sudden I was like, "Okay, but we're going to be cool to Titanosaurus, right? This was not his fault. Godzilla's been mind controlled too, and we didn't kill him." Mm. Uh, and then Godzilla basically kills the fuck out of Titanosaurus, <laughs> and I'm like, "You just said he was gentle and like a nice monster. You literally said that out loud. I know it's kind of contradicted by the text, but you still said it." I was about to say, given how he's been behaving. Yeah. It still doesn't seem nice. And it just feels like, you know, this this feels like, hey, listen, we're running out of Monster Island buddies at this point. Maybe Titanosaurus could have been your new Angerus. You know, your new uh your 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 new roommate. It, it would know? have been like, nice if if Godzilla did take the time to like he did with Jet Jaguar, yeah, sh- shake his hand. Yeah, like imagine like what they could have done, and then again, this is a little bit of a cliche, and maybe it's a little too friendly. I mean, Ishiro Honda is definitely trying to make this movie not for kids. Yeah, like, it's definitely got too many scary vibes. It's got nudity. It's got violence. Uh, it's just more intense in general. But um, it still feels like it would have been pretty satisfying if they had released Titanosaurus first, and then Titanosaurus teamed up with Godzilla to defeat. Mechagodzilla. And I realize this is shit that has already happened. Yeah. But then again, Godzilla has defeated Mechagodzilla already and also beat up other monsters. So I'm not sure that's the card you want to play is, oh, well, we don't want to do something we've never done before when you're just doing that again. Yeah. It strikes me as a little, it was, it was, it bummed me out because I felt like Titanosaurus was like a victim in all of this. Yeah. I I wanted to see Godzilla team up with Titanosaurus just because it would stress the idea that Godzilla is like a a benevolent force in this world. He's a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Like once you're fighting alongside Godzilla, that's sort of like a a sign of approval from him. Yeah. Yeah. You're in, you're in the club at that point. The, the nudity we were talking about, by the way, it's very oh, yeah. incidental. It's it's not sexual or anything, but um, there's a scene where the aliens are operating on uh, the, the cyborg. And when she's on the operating table, they they expose her chest. And it's... I don't even think that's actually like a real person. I think that might no, be like no, a mannequin. It's, like, yeah. it's, it's her head, but, but the chest is rubber. And yeah. it, it's still really jarring to see that in a Godzilla film. Yeah, it's kind of comes out of nowhere uh times they were changing yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and, that, and we will not have any more nude people in godzilla movies ever again 
No, not to wow. my recollection. I don't think, yeah, there's going to be no, like nobody showers, nothing like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in particular that we really needed to uh, cover here. I'm looking over my notes. Oh, there's one funny bit I liked where uh, the aliens uh, yell, no earthling has ever evaded our security. And I'm like, did you see Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla? Because <laughs> they did a lot, actually. Okay, that's that's fun. Maybe they meant since then. I don't know. It's um, possible that these are different uh, Black Hole 3 aliens. I think it's the same guy, isn't it? it it's the no, same like, actor, but like the way they're just, acting, like they've been yeah. on Earth for a lot longer. They've been uh, you know, working on their own scheme. This could be like a there was like a schism in the Black yeah. Hole aliens. And this that's is like fair. A different like, team. like movie franchises used to have a lot less like rigid continuity. Uh, they they used to wait until a film was successful before they even started production on the following one. Well, I'm not even talking about that. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, the idea of like planning out a bunch of sequels in advance is a very modern invention. Right, but I'm talking about retroactively. Like, if you look at... um, uh, Oh, who played the the professor, uh, like the criminologist in Rocky Horror? Oh, Charles Gray is his name. Charles Gray. Charles Gray was in, I want to say, Live and Let Die. No, not Live and Let Die. No, he was in He Only Lived Twice. He was in He yeah. Only Lived Twice as just like a random, you know, agent or something. Uh, I think he was actually helping James Bond. And then like one or two films later in Diamonds Are Forever, he's playing Blofeld. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He was one of, he was a totally different character and now he's the main bad guy. That is not explained that's not saying oh he was undercover that whole time that's not oh blofeld had his face changed to look like this agent no they just didn't think you'd give a shit or you wouldn't notice they they don't know if everybody's seen they're they're not assuming that you've seen them all also true because unless you were able to see it in a theater or i guess by the 60s or 70s occasionally they'd pop up on television uh there was no way to make sure that you had seen them. Yeah. Yeah. And that was true until like the eighties. People didn't take that shit for granted. Like people were just like, there's really no guarantee that this isn't your first film in this franchise. And we need to make sure that we catch you up. A lot of movies used to begin with more flashbacks. This one does like Terra Terra Mechagodzilla. It opens the opening credits is Godzilla fighting Mechagodzilla the first time, and the only major difference is it's playing the classic score over it, which makes that original fight so much cooler. <laughs> it's really amazing how much how much heft that really lends. It's uh, so great. Um, but yeah, that's Terra Mechagodzilla. Um, it's okay. That's where I it's, land on it. it it's, it's, it's definitely it's not, not great. As, it's not as good as Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. I appreciate that it's wild and incidental. I don't like that Godzilla's not in it a lot. Um, yeah, that's a that's a, I, I that's feel a like bummer. you know you need you need to get Godzilla at at the thirty minute mark at the latest, and this one waits like through most of its runtime before Godzilla shows up. I, I would like Godzilla to be in there earlier, but if you're gonna wait. Uh, I don't want him to just show up for the fight. I wanted there to be some sort of reason why Godzilla is there. It really does feel like he just showed up at an arbitrary point. 
Yeah. Like yeah, it feels like there should have been a there. Yeah, it feels like there should have been a reason for Godzilla to show up. Like that is actually justified a little bit, as opposed to just eh, it's a Godzilla movie, technically. Like it really does feel like an afterthought, and that's that's just a bummer. Like I appreciate the the model of this kind of movie where it is more about the human characters. They didn't used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, when we started this project, that was I used to think that was kind of annoying, but now it's kind of, it's kind of grown on me, and I can see the appeal. But you do need to find a balance, and this is a very unbalanced film in that regard. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's yeah. just kind of dissatisfying. Um, and so, the, but that's it. That's it for Ishiro uh, Honda. Yep, that is it for Ishiro Honda, and that is it for Godzilla for a little bit. I'm actually not even convinced that, and I hate to pull this card because this is like that Indiana Jones theory that I think is kind of bullcrap. But like, uh, if Godzilla hadn't shown up, I think they still could have won this sucker because it was all about like stopping the cyborg lady from controlling yeah. Titanosaurus and Mechagodzilla. So if she you was already her, on the cusp of like converting to the good side anyway. Yeah, like she if you you stop you stop controlling Titanosaurus, Titanosaurus will probably leave on its own and just be kind of confused, like, oh, what did I drink last night? Where did I end up? But like, and then Mechagodzilla would just stop working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably didn't need Godzilla in this movie. Maybe that's why he's just an afterthought. Maybe they didn't even plan to put him in it until the last minute. Who yeah, can maybe say? So. Who can say? I, um, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think there was anything in production though, where like this started as a different script and they put Godzilla in afterwards. I think this was planned as a Godzilla film. True. I do think it's interesting that it's Mecha Godzilla gets the title credit and Godzilla doesn't this time. It, well, yeah, it's called Terror of Mecha Godzilla. That Godzilla is in it is kind of incidental. Yeah, weird. Although even Mechagodzilla isn't it as much as you'd like. Like, it's there. It's looming, but it doesn't actually do anything. Um, Does Mechagodzilla... I know we get different versions of Mechagodzilla as the series goes on. Um, Is it always, like, a semi-autonomous robot, or does it ever, like, gain sentience or anything on its own? Um not as much as you might think for the most mm. part uh mecha godzilla is under the control of some aliens but in the heisei era we're gonna see mm. uh, a film in 1993 uh, called godzilla versus mecha godzilla 2 even though it's not really a, a sequel mm. um but yeah it's um so mecha godzilla was uh like in that movie was built as like an anti-Godzilla measure built by the humans, Hmm. but it was used like with future technologies from some time travelers. Fun. And and they had to, and they used it with like pieces of Mecha King Ghidorah, which we'll meet later on. Um, And, and yeah, and like it was built around the skeleton of the original Godzilla. And because of the skeleton, it started to take on like some of its own personality. Okay. Good. This makes me happy. Um, it's been a second since I've seen that one, but I think those no, it's fine. Right. Uh, well, in any case, yeah, that's it for Mecha Godzilla for now. That's it for Godzilla for now. Uh, much like uh, the Godzilla movies, we're going to take a seven year break. Uh, before we continue with Thank God. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> we will be back next week with more Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. However, 
uh, we 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 screwed up a little, and we're waiting for the moment to fix it. Yeah, we we de- declared that we're not just going to do every Godzilla movie. We're going to do every canonically adjacent Godzilla movie. So any movie with a monster that will eventually team up or share a screen with Godzilla uh, in any capacity will be fodder for this show. And that's why uh, we did such tangentially related uh, movies as Dogra or Atragon or Varan, the Unbelievable or the Mysterians. Um, we have been attempting to do this in chronological order and we technically missed one. We, we did. We, we, we unwittingly uh-huh. skipped one that is only like the slightest bit connected to the Godzilla world at large. It is like, it is it's like the thinnest possible hair that connects this film to Godzilla, but it, it is it connected. Is, so. It is connected. And, and we knew we wanted to get around to it. We were waiting for an organic moment to do it rather than just throw it in uh, uh, somewhere. And I don't feel too bad about missing this, but I am glad we caught it. And thank you to everyone mm-hmm. who brought it up because a few people did. Uh, there is a 1955 Ishiro Honda movie. We're not done with Ishiro Honda. No, Ishiro I, Honda so, may be done at this point of the chronology, but we're still got one more Ishiro Honda movie to go. So 55. Uh, this is going back like to right, right at the beginning of the Godzilla series. Yeah, honestly, this should have been the second or third episode. Uh, but uh, there is a monster movie directed by Ishiro Honda called Half Human, which is about a yeti. <laughs> and that yeti will one day and i believe this is correct I'll, I'll do my full research before we do the next podcast will one day appear in one panel of one godzilla comic book what when when did that godzilla comic book come out oh god like not that long ago like it was like a really it was like it's it's clearly like 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 some kind of like playful homage yeah like i'm not even sure i i i I couldn't even confidently say it was in the script like it might have just been the artist be having fun but regardless technically canon technically that counts so we have to do it more than anything, it just gives us an excuse to watch another monster movie. So we're, we're, we'll do it. We'll take it on. Which is a treat. So next time on Thank Godzilla, it's Friday. We're going to go back in time a little bit and catch up on Half Human. And then the week after that, that is when we're going to get uh, jump into the Heisei era with the return of Godzilla and Godzilla 1985. And we actually need to rewatch those movies. Uh, to confirm whether they are sufficiently different that each one needs its own episode. Because we did that with Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters. That's true. The, However, the show we... Honda's regular and then the uh, yeah, the American recut, which had a lot of extra new footage. But yeah. when it comes to Return of Godzilla and the American version, which was called Godzilla 1985, um, Raymond Burr was brought back Yay! to shoot new footage for the but just for the american version so yeah i think it's going to be another case of a lot of new extra american footage shot for the american hmm. cut and it feels like a sufficiently different 
movie. It, like, and, and granted, when we did Varan and Varan the Unbelievable, the, the American version of Varan is incredibly different, but also there's not a lot to either of them. So yeah. it kind of made sense to just do, like, especially considering it wasn't even really a Godzilla movie. It's like a Godzilla adjacent movie. It made sense to do that when I went podcast. But uh, again, we're going to rewatch it and we're going to make the determination after we rewatch both movies uh, to see if this needs to be like one long episode or, or two. But regardless, that's coming up. And if you're listening to this podcast on our main feed, whether you listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, directly from Red Circle, um, then you should know that you can listen to the next episode of Thank Godzilla It's Friday. Uh, right now, because our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network get every episode of Thank Godzilla It's Friday one week early. So whatever episode you're listening to right now, there's at least one other episode waiting for you over at the Patreon page right now. And that is at our lowest tier. That's only at $1. You get all new episodes ad-free and Thank Godzilla It's Friday uh, early. But there's also a lot of other tiers where we have a lot of other podcasts, huge backlogs of podcasts, uh, like All Our Yesterdays, where we review every single episode of Star Trek in order, uh, Only the Best, where we review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Uh, we did a whole series called Holy Batman about every single episode of the Adam West show. Uh, we do commentary tracks. We just did one for the movie Spooky Buddies for some reason. That was your choice, dude. I'm not. I'm not taking any responsibility for that. It was a joke, and I freely admit that it got out of hand. <laughs> it's like the, it's how, like how it, fun. We we could do a commentary track on on Spooky Buddies. Wouldn't that be funny? Um, we we were digging so hard to find <laughs> something like to really discuss about that movie, and we we came up with like very. It was pretty well, thin. This is, some things I think that might be of interest, though. So you should definitely. I, I, listen, I think we had a fun yeah. conversation, but they, a lot of that conversation wasn't so much about the film. Yeah, but by yeah. God, we still we still did it. But I freely admit that that was a practical joke. Uh, that is the equivalent of the practical joke at like the beginning of Terror Train, where like everything goes horribly wrong, and it's actually like our supervillain origin story. Like that that damn near <laughs> happened with our spooky buddies commentary, but that's there as well, and a whole bunch of other commentaries and a whole bunch of other things. And we do hangouts online with our patrons, and it's a blast. So that's patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We're also on the various social medias at critic acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, and if you want to join in the conversation, you can always send us an email. Our email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our PO box? Yeah, send us a physical letter to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah, uh, and we might read your email or letter on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. So thank you to everybody who does that. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on this Godzilla journey. And uh, I guess that's about that. That's that. Uh, we'll, we'll see you back in time for Half Human next week. And until then... Rawr.